Welcome to Tangled Web, a conversation about where we are now and where we're going with the web. Today I'm talking to Fraser Gorry, who after 40 years of coding has shifted towards low-code and no-code and now describes himself as a no-code first advocate. Fraser, welcome to Tangled Web. Thank you. Uh, Mark, it's uh, a pleasure to be here. Perhaps we could start with a quick overview of your career. Well, I'm a marine biologist by training, a fish biologist by further training. Uh, and then I started working on a big data sets with uh, lots of uh, modeling type things. And the computer came, you know, came into play very quickly in that. Uh, I was writing my own software to write, you know, multi multiple linear regressions and factor analysis and things of that. And I found a way to, to manage a bit of both. So a bit of science. Uh, biology in particular, and a bit of um, a business stuff. I understand that most of your career in on the business side of things has been doing coding work for clients. So what first prompted you to move towards no-code? Well, I'm only now, let's say, 10 months into a no-code frame of mind. That's a good way of putting it, a no-code frame of mind. <laughs> the instigator was uh, uh, my son, who mentioned he'd... Uh, heard someone who was trying to code to, to turn his no-code application into a code. And with the kind of mindset of a coder, you know, I finally seen the light, you know, that kind of yeah. uh, pattern of no-code and no-coder or something that, you know, if you can't code, you do those things. So I went and talked to him and uh, he'd written out a very uh, successful web app. That was all stitched together with Integromat uh, and Zapier and Google Sheets and Airtable. And he wanted to, he was getting some traction. So he wanted to get some, some fail safes in there and some, some yep. decreased la latency and things like that. And then he said, well, why don't you take a look at Builder? And this is a, a no-code tool that was just recently out. I looked a little further and I said, oh, I can do a lot here. I can look a little further. Well, okay, this, this has got to be an anomaly. So I went looking at Bubble and then what I thought were the, the web players at the time and no code. I realized I could go anywhere I wanted and I'm connecting to APIs and I'm uh, yep. doing things that I could I normally do anyway. And I'm thinking, whoa, all that boilerplate I normally, you know, drag with <laughs> me into a new project and yep. put in front of me and say, okay, I'll need this and I'll need that and I need a router yep. here and I'll need a form handler here and, and I want to make sure I use Tailwind on the CSS because I like the way that classes look. All that stuff sort of fell away, and I'm thinking, whoa, I can really sink my teeth into something before I even code a bit. I could actually use this as my prototyping tool. And that was my first thought. As I've mentioned, you now uh, describe yourself as an advocate of no-code first, and I think that's where you're getting. So, so what do you mean by no-code first? Well, if someone comes with a new project, um, it's a little bit about my mindset. Uh, do I... I know I can do it, and like yourself, I'm going to be able to code anything that needs to be done because we're dealing with these very basic building blocks. But should I? That question came to mind is, should I do that? Why, who's benefiting from my decision to use a coded tool? Well, I give you a perspective. One always had bothered me about working with clients is that they see me at the beginning quite a bit. They see me a few times in the middle while I check on things I'm interested in and maybe a few things that they're worried about. And then they see me at the end where I say, well, look at this. I've just done it. It's, isn't that wonderful? And luckily, I have a lot of, yes, it looks good, uh, you know, but I have some that aren't. 
And then those are times where I could have used some feedback. And with no-code tools, I can work alongside. I can build this thing as far as it goes until we get reach that point, that critical, critical point where the client's idea of what it should be and what it actually can be at that point can be examined. So I go right down in that avenue. Okay, we're getting to the point where you're going to try to do this right after that. It looks pretty nice. It's good enough for now. But let's get in there and let's sit beside, side by side. Well, we can't really do that in COVID, but we could get close to that and code online. And, and I call it coding, but it's really no coding. It's a, a way of thinking about what you can do, which is a uh, divorce from how. It's what will it end up being like. So it's a game changer. The excitement in a client's eyes when they can see that. I, I think we really underestimate as uh, software developers how hard it is for people to kind of visualize what it's going to look like yes. in the end because that's what we're good at. We're good at taking a set of requirements yes, and thinking, <laughs> oh, I can see what that's going to look like and we know what it's going to look like, but they don't. And yeah. no matter how much we describe it to them, it's still a barrier of communication there. So being able to actually get a prototype up and running and literally show them this is what it's going to look like is powerful. You're so right there. The idea in my mind is that there's a picture I forecast, I, I um, project onto my mind screen of what it is. They project one into their mind screen, but yeah. we don't know how close those two match. <laughs> and and we, we use body language and we use um, decision points, which are so honed down into, do you like this? And it implies that. And I, I, I've always been uncomfortable with that. I want them to, to know what it's like. And, and, the, and the big, the feeling point is that at the end of the day, here you go. Take it over. You can do it. You've seen me do it. You know how I've, I've done that. And the places where I've used code, they're very localized and they're, they're there and they're necessarily there. And they do the job and then I'll document them completely so that someone else can at least come in and change them. I don't like the idea of, of a client being reliant on me. Yeah, it's it's something that just rankles. Can you give an idea? Talking, I, I love your term "mind screen," by the way. But talking of uh, the difficulty of visualizing uh, software, can you give a, a, an idea of how a, a specific no-code tool might work and how you might use it to kind of create a prototype for a client? Because I, I think people who have heard of no-code but have never used it might have difficulty visualizing how that works. Well, there are several no-code tools out there now. If you uh, think of WordPress, it's it's kind of a no-code tool too. It, you, a no-code tool is characterized by black boxes, which are either components that are visual or components that are that take actions, and you don't know what's inside those things. They're they're kept <laughs> from you and by design, but you consider them to be tested, bulletproof, and they'll do what they'll do based on the things you can change about them. You can customize them. So think of a, a way you want them to look and then separate that from how you want it to act. So when you give it that kind of distinction, <clears throat> excuse me, what you are <clears throat> going to look at, you can work with anybody. You can have anybody design that for you. And what you want it to do, you should be involved in. You really should have a handle in that. So think of dragging in pieces in a visual way from a list of possible pieces, sticking them on the screen, connecting them together, or situating them in the ways that, 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 that accomplish your goals. And then 
setting up the conditions under which those individual black boxes, visual and um, event-like actions, um, setting up the conditions under which they should happen. So that's that's a no-code world. You drag and drop, you drag and drop, and you customize. And then the part that sort of allows no-code to do its real important stuff is on the um, action side, where you take what it comes out of it, you do something with it. So you may not want what comes out of it by design. The black box is meant to produce this. I need something different. I need to multiply that centigrade uh, Celsius degree by 3.1.9 over 5 and add 32 to get Fahrenheit. And where do I do that? Well, that's code. Um, but it's pretty simple code. So I can, I'm hoping I'm going to find a block that allows me to write that in. And that's where no code jumps into low code. Low code tools, they're all, they have all the same things, but they have this, these little blocks that say, we'll let you peek inside. This is a black box with only the, with the lid open and we could, you can put some stuff in there. And, uh, each tool does it differently and some tools do it really well and other tools don't. Um, so it's got, you have to do uh, things and you have to think about things in terms of blocks and connectors making them happen. So that's that's a great overview. It brings up some of the potential objections to no code. It's actually easy for um, people like uh, you and me to uh, think of those blocks, how they're connecting inputs, outputs, because we have a, yeah. a background in software development. Is it is it sure. difficult for non-coders to pick up no code? I have seldom seen so many competent people who know nothing about code talking about their no code projects as if they're a done deal, like this is how it works. When we code our other applications, we, we can do everything uh, right from the ground. This, this code is a, a render function. I'm gonna render it all out. And pretty soon we're looking at that code and mm, there's something in there I'm always using, there's something in there. So yeah. we are already as coders making black boxes of our yeah. own, which we can see inside of. So the difference between no code and code is that they have made those things for us. They've made a limited ones and they've had their own spin on them. And the spin of them sometimes for a coder is not what we want. And then we say, oh, it's so yes. close. You know, it's that Pareto <laughs> effect going on there. I just, if it only would give me a REST API and not that one. Yeah. So I think it's a handicap uh, being a coder sometimes. Yeah, so that brings me to one of the other potential problems with no code. Do you find that you do often run into limits where, as you say, you kind of find a black box, but it doesn't do quite what you want it to do, and you do end up yes. uh, uh, writing code for it. And what would you say to yes. people who don't know how to code? How would they deal with those kind of limits? You know, it's it's a it's a nasty problem because uh, the problem when you're not a coder yourself is that you have to pick a tool because you can't learn it right away. And the good tools for no coders are tools that get you to intermediate level quickly. Yeah. The good tools for programmers are the ones that get you to intermediate level after quite some time, but don't stop you there and let you go to expert. So there is no such thing as expert level from a programmer's point of view in some tools. It just, you hit a brick wall that I, I just need to do this. Sorry, you don't provide that. And they're done. You've now spent six weeks to them, two months maybe, learning a tool, get your SaaS app up to that point, and you're sitting on the brink and you can't do anything about it. One thing advantage from a no-coder, a coder's point of view, when you're assessing no-code tools, is not to get 
mesmerized by the slickness yeah. is to go right away to something hard. You can make anything look nice. It's, it's the, the question is, can you get to the point where you have air trapping? Uh, how many times have you seen a, something where someone's glued it together with a, a no-code tool like Integrat or Zapier? Yeah. And they didn't know that the email never got sent, that after that record yes. got written, there was some down at the time. And it's, it's a fail silently situation. And that's, that's programmer error number, nightmare number 62. So <laughs> something went wrong and you don't know anything about it. Um, I was just going to ask about um, speed. Uh, do you find that no code is slower than code? Is that a problem? Not at all, actually, uh, but there is latency because the way that uh, uh, the uh, action blocks, the blocks that do things, often have to go externally to get them. So what you have is a situation where you can't, uh, you can't do transactional uh, work. You have to go out to... Um, Stripe and your Stripe will uh, take your payment, comes, come back. What if it failed? Where did that go? And those sorts of things are built into some tools and not in others. So you need to then keep track of that yourself. And that brings into the situation the kind of coding skills you need uh, that no coders perhaps wouldn't know how to approach. I think what's going to happen is that no coders who don't have coding are going to lean into the low code tools more because they give them the, the ability to to sleep at night, I guess, because once the SaaS product you've written gets traction, you're starting to worry now about <laughs> all sorts of things. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so that's that's interesting. Uh, you, you've done a great job of describing how you know, no code and code is a spectrum. It's not just all or nothing. Yeah. So why do you think that there's such a hard divide in people's minds between code and no code? I think it's the way they come to, they come to the tools. There are For some sure. things about coding which just make you feel more comfortable that it's working properly. Is there anything that uh, we've missed? Any any benefits of uh, of no code in your uh, work with your clients that uh, you, you think we uh, haven't covered? Well, there's a couple of unexpected things. Uh, yes, I can put together something quicker uh, in no code than I can in code. It's the freedom to embellish. So you can come up with what you want, you do it quickly, and I say, okay, I would have done that in, no, in code. I'm there faster. I got everything what I wanted. Not yeah. quite what I want, but it's close. But I got some time left on this quote. I'd like <laughs> to do some more. And you know, you can't stop yourself. You just want, you just want to, because in code, you're fairly rarely ahead of time. Yes. The fact that the low-level stuff is available to you means that you can then start adding more pieces into the action. If, if you took your existing coded applications, like what ones you right now, you'd probably be hard-pressed to pull out blocks that you could call blocks that you'd use again, as yeah. is. So it's really quite a tribute to the people who are making these tools because they have to think in that generic sense. Yeah. And then they have to leave that that clothes hanger and so things can hang on it. Yes. <laughs> the, the information that gets passed on that hanger to the next little piece that's hanging down and it can do what it wants with. So this idea of flows and actions and the idea of components being nested and no-code tools, generally speaking, either make you think this is the way you should do it. We know. Yeah. Take our advice. Or they say, it's up to you, do what you want. And I prefer the latter. But yep. when I'm prototyping, I might prefer the former, you know, just to get something reasonable so we don't have a thought, oh, I, I, can't, I can't understand what it's doing because it looks terrible. 
there's a lot there for people to think about, both coders and people who uh, might not be coders, but are interested in the potential of no code. Listeners, if you'd like to connect with Fraser, you can reach him on Twitter at Fraser Gorry, and that's F-R-A-S-E-R-G-O-R-R-I-E. Or you can reach him on his website at uh, FraserGorry.com. Fraser, thanks so much for joining me on Tangled Web. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to Tangled Web. Join me for fresh insights into the future of the web every other week. Subscribe to the free newsletter, podcast or YouTube channel at tangledweb.media. Remember, the web has only just begun.